We're back. Another week of the mush. Corey Gibson, Adam Gordy, John Garcia Jr. Pretty good week for us, fellas. I mean, Gordy dipped a little bit low, four and six. John went six and four. Overall records, Gordy and I somehow are keeping pace of 44 and 45. John creeping his way back up at 39 and 50. Uh, pretty good slate this week. Not great. Uh, Gorney, you're welcome. I added the over-unders to all the, the banners for us. So Nice. You have to go find it now. All right, <laughs> yeah. let's start it off. South Carolina is going to Texas A&M, 14.5 point over-under 53.5. Yeah, uh, this is a South Carolina team that's really struggling right now. Um, I don't love the 14.5. Texas A&M's offense is kind of a whimper. Uh, but their defense is so good. I just think they kind of make it a, a tough game for Spencer Rattler. I don't think this is where the Gamecocks kind of get it back together. I don't love the hook, um, but there is a sharp bet on AM. You know, they're eight and one in their last nine games playing South Carolina straight up. It's a lot of points here, um, but I'm just I'm just feeling like a 28-10 kind of game. So I'm gonna take AM here. Yeah, I'm right with you, boss. I just think South Carolina has no balance. It's too much. It's too heavy on Spencer Rattler to be the guy each and every play without a running game, especially against this front. You know, I think that will make them one-dimensional and a little too easy uh, for that AM defense. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't think a and going to light it up offensively on their end, but it'll be enough despite that hook being just mm, just annoying enough to make you think about it. But when you do st- take a step back, yeah, this is a Texas A&M pick. Yep, I'm gonna have to agree with you, fellas. AM here. I think it's gonna be a game like he has kind of described it. We're gonna sweat it out the whole time at the very end, and then we'll close it out and cover it. And uh, I'll make the money. Big matchup here. Purdue is going to Nebraska, two and a half, pretty low over under as well. Yeah, this is a thriller. I mean, there, there's <laughs> no, there are no games like like this, this game right here. But Barney's thriller of the week. Right the thriller of the week. Uh what's interesting here is that I, I I would absolutely take the under in this game. Nebraska, seven of the last nine games at home have been under. Their offense is really n- nothing special. Purdue, four of their last six games have been under. Purdue is four and one straight up the last five times playing Nebraska. This is the first time with a new coach, though. Um, one of the interesting things here that I that I have found is the public likes Purdue here, even at four and a half. It's gone to two and a half, and that has not changed the thinking. So there's a sharp bet on Purdue. I don't love it. Under a field goal sort of begs you to take Nebraska that they're going to win at home. I'm going to take the Boilermakers on the road here. Yeah, this could be Minnesota-Iowa 2.0. You know, um, I do think Nebraska's defense can carry them. Uh, They are at home, so I I get why they are favored because Purdue, kind of like South Carolina, way up and down, uh, too much on their quarterback. But I do think that the inept of that Nebraska offense gives me a little bit more confidence in Purdue. So if they are up and down, I'm willing to gamble on that. Maybe they'll be sort of up this week just enough to, to squeeze this one out. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you again, AG. I got Purdue. It's a toss-up for me, and I think the only uh, – I'm going to go with the veteran play of Hudson Card here just to keep it in the game. As as much as I love Nebraska at home, I would almost just take it. I just – I can't watch Nebraska football right now. It's all over the place. It's messy. But um, two and a half is just not very scary. 
But I think I agree with you, Gornay. If I really did bet this game, I'd probably do the over-under more than anything. Yeah. Georgia is going to Florida. Florida gets 14 and a half at 47 and a half is the over-under. Well, they're both going to Jacksonville. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. They used to call it that before political correctness took over everything, and now you can't even act like people aren't outside drinking all day. I mean, if you go to Jacksonville, you kind of have to drink to just get through the day. But uh, you know, this is this is a this is a lot of points in a rivalry game. Uh, Georgia's offense is not exactly explosive this year. Graham Mertz is starting to kind of get it together a little bit. And this line has dropped from it opened at 20 and a half. And now it's at 14 and a half. Little more action going on the Florida side here. There's a sharp bet there. I think Georgia wins the game. I don't think Florida upsets them. Um, but I'm going to take the Gators with more than two touchdowns to spare her. Although I will note this could be 38-nothing at halftime, Georgia, too. Yeah, the hook, the hook is tough on this one, much tougher than that AM hook. Um, it's a neutral site, but we know there's always a little bit more blue and orange there. And, and obviously there's, there's plenty of, of oomph for Florida. They're a little bit more up and down, but lately that offense has started to click. The defense is sort of stuck in neutral. And I think that's where Georgia could take advantage. They're going to come out balanced as you know, and I actually think they could run the football against the Gators and keep that offense off the field, which is not the analysis I thought I would say for this game a couple weeks ago. So I do think Georgia wins by double digits. I'm I'm starting to talk myself into giving away that 14 and a half. I think Georgia can dominate this game on, on both sides. Um, but that hook is is rough because you could absolutely see a 24 to 10 kind of game for, for Georgia here. But I'll, I'll give the number one team the benefit of the doubt. Florida has been my nightmare this year, along <laughs> with USC, along with, I don't know, Kentucky. I've had some bad schools this year. And I really, really want to take Florida, but my rules are my rules, and they've been keeping me at about around 500. So give me the Bulldogs as much as I want to take Florida here. Georgia is just going to have to be the play, but I'm sure Florida will screw with me again. BYU going to Texas, uh, 19 and a half, 50 and a half. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is the Malik Murphy run Texas team. So we don't know what we're going to get. I mean, that's sort of the thinking here is, you know, Sark is, uh, you know, going to run offense, but I think he's going to be leaning on the conservative side here. I don't think that um, BYU has the offensive firepower to win the game. So Sark is going to try to get out of this one and not press Malik Murphy too much. With that being said, um, I'm going to take BYU here plus 18 and a half. And, and another reason is there, there is some, there's a sharp bet on, uh, on Texas here, but all the money is flowing to uh, all the money is flowing to BYU, which means somebody's loading up pretty big on them. 56% um, of the bets are on BYU, but 95% of the money that line might drop dramatically before kickoff just so the you know the book is trying to get 50 50 so they could just collect on vig so if that line is 16 and a half you might try to middle this game and and, and take byu now if you could get it at 18 and a half 19 and then try to get a sweet spot at texas at 15 or 16 and hopefully they win by 17 and you win both bets uh that's in, incredibly hard to do but this is a situation where that might lend itself 
um, to that. If, if all that money is flowing in on BYU, this line is going to keep dropping. So if you like Texas in this game, wait. Um, if you like BYU, load up now and lock in that number. Um, I'm going to take BYU here at 18 and a half. Yeah, I like BYU right now. You mentioned the circumstances of Malik Murphy. We just don't know. We haven't seen him since high school, um, and he's obviously dealing with a lot with, you know, Arch Manning waiting in the wings. So I'm curious to see how he handles, you know, third and eighth, even though they're at home. But Texas has been funky at home, not, not as dominant. So I, I do like BYU in this game. Keaton Slovis has been around forever. If he can protect the football, I think the Cougs can, can hang around here. So especially with that line closer to 20, like you said, Gorney, uh, I'll roll with BYU and, until it drops. Gorney, lock, lock of the week. Wait, what was that, John? I'm sorry. That's the lock of the week because we just don't know what, what Malik Murphy is going to look like. And, and backup quarterbacks have made teams feel totally different. Uh, then, then with their leader out there, just look at Utah, look at a bunch of teams that have suffered injuries there. So I'll go with that average of, of a team looking a little slower without their main guy. Uh, and that number is way too high for, for a pretty good BYU team. Sure. Gordon, I was going to ask, ask you actually as well, like, would that almost be considered a lock for the over-under just because of the, uh, the unknown of all your guys' points? Like, or even you, John? Yeah. The, the, the concern I have here is that, um, BYU has gone over in their la in the last five of their six games. So this could be back and forth a little bit. Um, I'm fearful of that. If, if I was betting the over under in this game, which I wouldn't, I would probably take the under because I don't think that they're going to stress Malik. Sark is going to stress Malik Murphy into making a ton of plays. Um, and if there was one concern about Malik Murphy in high school, throwing the ball, it was overthrows. So, uh, I would bet the under, but the, the trends in this game have, have lent to the over. Yeah, I'll take BYU as well. Texas will win this game, but not by 19 and a half. Oregon's going to Utah, six and a half. Yeah, so uh, again, this is an interesting game, interesting setup. Let me pull up the numbers here. Um, I hate betting against Utah at Utah. Uh, they are 19 and one straight up in their last 20 games at home, but Oregon has been good. Seven and one the last eight, eight games straight up. If it wasn't for some inane play calling and decision making by Dan Lanning against Washington, they'd probably be eight and zero straight up. They've been they're seven and two straight up on the road. They'd probably be eight and one on the road. So this road environment is not like UCLA earlier in the year where Dante Moore, um, you know threw a pick six on play number one and then could never get anything going kind of like Oregon here. And I don't, I don't love the bet. I hate betting against Utah at home, but under a touchdown, I think this Oregon team is just more skilled and faster. Utah's defense is obviously going to play very, very well, but I like Oregon up front and I like their skill players. I'm just going to take the ducks here and hope it works out. Yeah, retweet, cosign, everything you just said. You know, Cam, we know Cam Rising finally is not coming back. That was always my question with Utah because you know the defense is going to be there. Um, but th this feels like, hey, if, if Oregon can get the ball with three minutes left, I'm, I'm going to trust Bo Nix uh, over anybody Utah's got, uh, even at Utah. So the touchdown or less number is going to be comfortable for me. I I'll take the Ducks. Finally, I can go opposite of you guys. I'm going to go Utah here. I love them at home always. I don't even care if they're playing Alabama. I'd probably take them.
because they get points as well. Um, yep, give me the Utes. The place will be rocking. Um, and, the, and, and they get the points, which is great. Duke is going to Louisville, four and a half. Yeah, this is actually one of the sneaky, you know, much better games of the week. Um, and, and usually it isn't. So this is one I'll probably end up watching. Louisville, five, one, one, one number I need to know here. Louisville is 5-0 and ATS in their last five games at home. And I know Duke is much more competitive and strong, but this is also a flip situation. The public likes Duke getting the points here. There's a lot of love for Duke this year. Louisville has not been a bad team at all. They've actually been very good, uh, very explosive, obviously well-coached. I love Brom um, from his XFL days. Um, and their only loss is this weird loss at Pitt before the bye week. So they're going to bounce back from that. They've had two weeks to get ready for it. Uh, I think this is more of a sort of a Notre Dame kind of looking game where Duke is kind of coming into a buzzsaw. I'm going to I'm going to take Louisville with the points here. This could be a sort of a shootout kind of game. I think um, I would take the over and I'll and with that, I'll take Louisville uh, laying the four and a half. Yeah, I hate to keep agreeing with you, Gorney, but if, if Louisville hadn't played their dud game yet, I think I would be inclined to say, hey, you know, Duke's going to come in, play great defense, and Riley Leonard will be the difference. Very easy narrative to build here. But like you said, Louisville played their dud game on the road. They're back home, off the bye week. All of this points to a re-galvanized uh, Cardinals program, and, and I think, yeah, they're going to handle this by about a touchdown. We still don't know how healthy – Riley Leonard is. And really, when Duke is clicking, it's still all about him. Skill position-wise, especially at receiver, uh, Duke is not setting the world on fire. And Louisville's defense is, is just as good <laughs> as, as Duke's on, on a given day. So I'll take the Cardinals at home. I'm going to go Duke here. Um, I think they're a pretty good football team. They stick around with a lot of teams. Uh, I like that they get the points here. I think I agree with Gorney and everything you said too, John. It's going to be a shootout, sneaky good game of the week, which is crazy to say out loud. But, um, yep, give me Duke with the points. I think Leonard will keep it close. Okay, another one of my favorites right here. USC is going to Cal, 10 and a half. Yeah, so, man. It, it, it's incredible that USC is only laying 10 and a half at Cal because Cal is just not good. I think uh, Vegas is over it too. They're just like, just throw a number at it. Like, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's part of this too, is that is the defense just so bad, you know, like, I mean, Alex Grinch admitted this week that they didn't see Sione Vaca on a swing pass. So they had absolutely no idea how to defend it. Like I, it, it's such an incredible, Utah does not run complicated offense. And they're just storming down the field to kick a field goal to win the game. It's really sort of a joke. But Cal is just really not good. So, you know, there, there's talk. Emmanuel Acho comes out this week and says Caleb Williams shouldn't play anymore. And Caleb Williams is poo-pooing on the bench after the loss. And Lincoln Riley misses two days with pneumonia. There's a lot of reasons why Cal could actually sort of sneak in here. But I just think USC is just going to overwhelm them. I mean, this is a team that gave up. Cal's defense gave up 34 to Utah. They gave up 52 to Oregon State, 59 to Washington. I mean, if USC goes in there and lays an egg, 
that is really just embarrassing. I'm going to take USC here just because I'm, I must be brainwashed into thinking USC is still somewhat of a good football team when they're just halfway decent, really. So I'm just going to take them and, and hate myself if they if they don't cover. <laughs> I like the over more than the spread in this game. With two bad defenses, as, as Corny illustrated there. Uh, and I think USC, again, offensively, they're going to score. Can Cal match them? It just feels like that answer is going to be no, but the last few weeks have taught us that the USC defense is so bad that decent offenses uh, can hang around there. But at some point, USC has got to, you know, recalibrate and really figure this thing out defensively. I don't know if it means you just say, hey, balls to the wall, let's blitz 60% of the time and let our athletes match up one-on-one. I mean, sometimes you just got to simplify it. So maybe Grinch can get there at least partially there enough for a nice 14-point win. And, you know, two, three weeks ago, I would have said this is the easiest bet of the week, lock of the week. USC, you know, wins this by 25, but now we just don't know. But I'll I'll give them one more benefit of the doubt before I bail on them completely. Gordon, I was thinking about that comment when you're like, uh, Caleb could sit out because remember it was like about a month ago now. His dad said that he might come back depending on. Oh yeah, sure. Was. And then we also think about Miller Moss is actually a pretty good backup quarterback. I mean, everyone everyone always said like he should transfer, go somewhere else. He always looks pretty good in the game. So even if that's the case, I still think Miller Moss could handle the ten and a half at Cal. Uh, it just it's a tough watch. And SC, I think I think as a as a group, uh, we are probably about zero and ten so far on the year of picking SC games. Yeah, but no I'll stick with you guys. We'll, we'll we'll ride it out together. We're going SC. Tennessee is going to Kentucky, uh, and Kentucky gets three and a half. Yeah, this is one of those games where I reflexively just pick Tennessee. Uh, they are 22 and three straight up the last 25 times they've played. Tennessee is five and zero against the spread the last time, five times they've played on the road at Kentucky. So that tells you that Tennessee is by far the pick here. But just wait a second. The public is split on on the bets, uh, but 82% of the money, including a sharp bet, is on Kentucky here. So something weird is going on in this game. I don't like it. I don't know what's up because all of the trends are leaning Tennessee. Um, But I'm going to pick Kentucky here. I might regret this pick based on literally more than two decades of, of these two teams playing. And Tennessee just absolutely dominating this series 22 to three the last 25 times they played but i'm going to take kentucky plus three and a half yeah speaking of jekyll and hyde this tennessee team you just don't know what you're getting each and every week one week their defense looks like it's their calling card and then you know they collapse in in the second half so it's funky kentucky has done the same thing you know they haven't looked great since maybe that florida game like a month ago um so this three and a half is 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 quite right in terms of trying to pick this game. I think Tennessee is more talented coming off that loss um, in Tuscaloosa. I think they'll they'll lick their wounds and, and try to recalibrate there. So I'm going to go with the law of, of bouncing back on this one, and, and I'll take Tennessee by by four points, just barely beating Kentucky. But yeah, this this could be a, an interesting game because of inept play, not so much great play. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you. Uh... John, I'm going to go Tennessee here. You know, I don't know. Just Kentucky really screwed me in that Florida game, like you mentioned, so I'm always scared of them. But I don't like how they've been playing all their matchups. Um, 
you know me, I look at the weird things. It's a four o'clock game, so I feel like the crowd could be rumbling for Kentucky, but I think, like you said, Tennessee is just too dominant or too talented, I should say, and they'll they'll handle the three and a half. So Ohio State is going to Wisconsin. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised by this number, 14 and a half. I know Wisconsin's a pretty good football team, but it did surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Wisconsin stinks. I mean, Wisconsin is good. <laughs> they, they cannot do a thing on offense. So, you know, there are a lot of rumors, and I'm not going to be the one to come out and say it, but there are a lot of rumors that Ryan Day is the one who turned Michigan in and it's caused this whole entire thing. And he could be busy, you know, laughing about that and coming back and beating Penn State last week was – was big and now going on the road to to Wisconsin could get tricky, but I just don't see it. I I mean Wisconsin needed last second miracle to beat Illinois last week. They scored six points against Iowa. They didn't look good against Rutgers. They haven't looked good since like mid September when they beat Purdue pretty soundly. Um, I I just think Ohio State has far too much here. It's incredible. Uh, that Wisconsin, you know, is a, a five and two football team, but I mean, come on, they're 67th in rushing yards per game nationally. They're 133rd in passing. If, if Ohio state comes into this game and thinks that, you know, the season is basically just Michigan and they just have to sustain it now, then it could be a little tricky and, and 14 and a half gets a little weird but I just see a 31-7 football game here, and I think Ohio State takes care of business. Yeah, Ohio State's defense has been dominant. You know, I think there's so many storylines with them that we can kind of lose some of that. And and to play the way they did last week with, without Denzel Burke, maybe their best player yeah. on defense, I thought said a whole lot, um, and they shut down a much better running game than they'll face this week. So if they make Wisconsin's backup QB that one dimensional, I just think, like you said, Gordon, this could be a, a flat out dominant game for Ohio State, almost independent of what they can do offensively. Maybe Travion Henderson's back and they feel more comfortable with, with that rotation uh, and they need that balance going forward. So so maybe this is the week that they look and feel like Ohio State on both sides of the ball. But that defense, I think, makes this line pretty comfortable, even on the road. So I'll take the book, guys. Is Wisconsin's uh, is Tanner still Tanner's out for the year, right? Or is he? Yeah, he's definitely. Um, let me let me let me check the uh, let me check the uh, injuries. I'll say I almost made this my lock of the week. I didn't just because the line Ohio State and all that, but um, I was thinking too is like if the if they don't even have their main guy as well, but obviously I'm going to take Ohio State here. Um, yeah, Mordecai is out indefinitely. So yeah, I mean I'm. I'm at the, it's not my lock of the week, but I would definitely look at it in that way, though. But yeah, give me the buck, guys. Colorado is going to UCLA, seventeen, and a pretty high over/under as well. Yeah, I was surprised by seventeen and a half here, but I'm going to take the Bruins. Um, big flip situation. The public loves Colorado, thinks they're getting a lot of points. Uh, you know, almost eight out of ten, eighty out of a eighty cents out of a dollar is on is on UCLA here. Um, this That's interesting. That's it, interesting that that's the case. And I think it's because UCLA can play really great defense and Colorado's defense has been really bad. Um, you know, they, they look at, look at, just look at a comparable game of, of recent UCLA blows Stanford out and really could have really put even more on them. 
And, uh, you know, Stanford came back in that game against Colorado to win it, you know, at Colorado 46-43. You know, this, you know, a few weeks before that, USC scored 48 on them. Oregon scored 42. Even Arizona State, which does not have much offense, made that a game with a, with a last-second drive. So I think UCLA is going to be able to score. Um, Dion was very effusive in his praise of Chip Kelly this week. Um, and, and then the numbers are just, uh, you know, very telling here. A lot of people are not buying into Colorado anymore. Uh, I, I don't really look at the trends because Colorado has just been so pitifully bad uh, in recent years that those trends don't really matter as much in a game like this with a, a completely revamped team. But again, I think this could be 42-21, something like that. I think UCLA wins pretty soundly in front of 12,000 at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Colorado's going to score to a degree, but, but like Gorney said, this is a legitimate defense. And, and they really haven't faced this type of threat I probably since that Oregon game um, where, where a team is just that much better against your strength. So I do think it slows Colorado down. Maybe they get a little bit turnover prone and UCLA can open this thing up as, as Dante Moore has another you know, layer of experience uh, under his belt. So if he protects the football and it doesn't get funky, I do think this could be a, a runaway victory for UCLA. Uh, so not that the home field matters, but especially at home, I'll, I'll take the Bruins here. Yeah, real quick. I, I didn't watch a ton of that UCLA game last week because I was watching uh, Arizona State Washington. Uh, but Garbers was the one playing the most. So I don't know if Moore got sort of benched or if there was some sort of issue there, but it was Ethan Garbers that was running the offense there. So I don't know. We'll see I'd what they do more this, this Saturday. Yeah, even maybe more comfortable there. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm still all over UCLA here. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Colorado. It's a lot of points. Kind of everything is going against everything I said, but um, I think they'll hang in there, maybe get a garbage touchdown at the end just to get it right under – 21 and uh we cover i mean that was a pretty disappointing loss for prime against stanford and all that but i mean that crowd is not scary it can almost feel like a home game there'll be a lot of celebrities there so shadur will turn it on so with travis hunter and uh, i think colorado might be the move here all right last one we made it oregon state is going to arizona three three points yeah, when I first saw this game, I was like, ooh, Oregon State might have to be an auto play here. Uh, Oregon State is maybe a top 10 team in the country. I think they're very good bo on both sides of the ball. They're also 12-2 and two against the spread in the last 14 games. So Vegas is not giving them a ton of credit. And they're also 10-1 and one straight up in their last 11 games. So three is basically a pick them. Uh, you know, but Arizona at home at night... Could get interesting in the desert. It's always Pac-12 after dark. T-Mac, you know, Fafita. Uh, God, this is this is one of those interesting games where the public is all over Arizona. There's a sharp bet on them. The money is following in their favor. But, man, the, everything says take Arizona here, but I'm going to take Oregon State. Yeah, I, I'll go with Arizona at home. They're kind of a, a sneaky, good, unranked team. They've, yeah. they've played the conference really well, uh, and I think that that will show at home. three. If it was three and a hook, I'd feel much better about it. Um, but I'll take the three with, with Arizona because I, I think they're a pretty darn good team. So I can see Oregon State winning this with their you know last-second field goal to, to go up one or two. Um, but, but I like the Cats at home. 
I'm going Arizona as well. When they made the move to put the dog in, Noah Fafita, he has covered like everything. I mean, every time I, I picked them the past like three or four times and they don't win the game, but man, they cover and they look good every time he brings something out of that team. I agree, Gorney. Oregon State's a very, very good football team. I probably actually played the over-under here, but Arizona's definitely got to be the play at home. Uh, and I just I just hope that they just keep it within that three points. Like, John, I, I wish it was three and a half or something, but yeah, uh, you got to stick with Noah. He's, he's covering, and he's the hot hand right now. So, But we move on. We, uh, we made it. Lock of the week. John said BYU. Gorney, paint me the picture. What do we got this week? All right, let me paint a picture here for you guys in the Air Force Colorado State. Game. I knew I would have bet. I was gonna say I bet you you're gonna pick this game. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> uh, so the line started at nine. Air Force minus nine. It's climbed to twelve and a half. Even though sixty-two percent of the public is on Colorado State, sharp bet money all over Air Force. Okay, but here's what's most important. Air Force is outscoring teams 34-13 this year. They're averaging, of course, 5.3 yards per rush and have 24 rushing touchdowns. Colorado State is giving up 4.1 yards per carry and nine rushing touchdowns. Their rushing defense is not the best, okay? They cannot run the ball. Colorado State is terrible at running the ball, 2.7 yards per carry. So Air Force's attack is going to be coming right at them. They can't stop them. And they're coming off a crushing loss to UNLV last week on the road. So in less than a week, they have to come back home after a, after a tough loss to UNLV, prepare for a very strange offense that they only see once a year. And let me add this too. It is going to be snowing at this game. So Colorado State, who can pass the ball so incredibly well, will not be able to see the ball because there's going to be snow and wind in the forecast. Air Force will run down their throats. The Air Force is the pick of the week. That was probably one of the best Gordy segments. We got weather, stats, <laughs> formations. That's everything yep. I wanted right there. Mm -hmm. Everything I wanted. I'm going to go Texas State. I'm going to ride the hype. They do play a pretty good Troy team. It's only six and a half. I think they're going to win by a touchdown. Uh, Texas State, I believe, has they have TJ Finley, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On his third school. Looking pretty good there. Um, I kind of like I said, I'll ride the hype. I think it'll be a nice touchdown here. Um, I do have to say, though, for the group, I mean, I do still need to go find the stats, but I think our locks of the week is one of our best picks so far, like the whole thing. Right? We have an incredible record as a group. Yeah, yeah. If you if you do one thing on this podcast, it's fast forward to the locks of the week and then just play those. Yeah, absolutely. Love so. that Texas State and Air Force. Let's go, John. John, you got to get on the the D three hype. <laughs> I got you. Right. I got you, John Carroll and Mount Union next week. All right, very good. I can't wait. You got to paint a picture though. Get ready. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> All right, that's another week. Week nine, that's the mush. Corey Gibson, Adam Gorney, John Garcia. Please follow us on all the platforms. Like, subscribe, and comment. We'll uh, answer any questions you guys have, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks, fellas.